Do you obsess over barbecue? Or maybe you're just getting started and want to learn more. Light up the pit and join me, Kurt Mueller, lifelong barbecue fanatic and competitor on the pro circuit as I have the most passionate people in barbecue from pit masters to restaurant owners. Join me on the show, sharing their barbecue journey, their unique tips, tricks, timelines, and techniques that will make sure your barbecue gets better every time you fire up that grill or pit. Welcome to The Barbecue Life. Welcome into the Barbecue Live podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Mueller. We're powered by Hound Hogs BBQ Supply. Check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Hound Hogs BBQ Supply. They are great folks there. So excited about the show today because I welcome in the 2022 KCBS Team of the Year, Mr. Urkel Chila. He's the pit master of Uncle Pig's BBQ Pit. He's based out of Paulsboro, New Jersey. Urkel, thanks for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me. So I always like to start with journey. My listeners know that. I love to listen about somebody's journey, learn about somebody's journey. So just educate us real quick, Urkel, on your journey into this crazy, crazy world that we call competitive barbecue. Well, um, I'm going to say it probably started like 12, maybe 13 years ago. Um, Had a little friendly competition with my brothers, you know, about making ribs and one thing led to another and and the, you know, they wanted to boil their ribs and I was a more of a smoke kind of person. And we had a little backyard competition and, and I won and it just escalated from there, you know, from two competitions to four to eight, to, you know, 38 now. 38. So did you, did you jump right into pro or did you start backyard yes, and work your I, way I, up? I started right into pro. Right into pro. I, I love that. Tell us about your setup. You have a team. I mean, what, what do you so, got? Yeah, How's we, your setup like? We have like a 35 foot trailer, enclosed trailer with an enclosed porch. Uh, we use uh, gateway drums, yep. uh, three of them. We have uh, a deep south smoker, th- a GC 28. We also have a Traeger. Um, believe it or not, we use all five of them for four meets. <laughs> From time to time, we have different players on our team. We have, you know, we have Mark Flanagan. We have uh, Vince Gattuso. We have Mac Talbert. We have Jake Alster. And Mike Lucardella, we have a, every once in a while, you know, we switch out the, right now, me and Mark are the set two that do all of it. Everyone else, you know, when they have time, they come. Right. Well, 38 competitions is, is, I mean, that's, 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 that's working it, right? That's a lot. It is. Plus you're running a, a, an automotive shop up there uh, in your the neck of the station, woods. Yeah. A lot, go, a lot going on in your world. And I think you guys actually were informed that you had won the team of the year uh, at the North Carolina competition that we were at last year. I'm yes. trying to remember where that was. Shelby, North Carolina. Shelby. That's where mm-hmm. it was. That was a yep. double up there. So yep. you guys had the great, you got, you got delivered the great news that you were 2022 slash 23 team of the year. I'm curious from your standpoint, was that the goal from the get go starting out or did it well, just happen? Well, so, you know, at our MABA meet, meeting or banquet the year before, I was talking to Sid from uh, Good Googly Goo. And I said, you know what, dude? I said, if I'm lucky enough to get a couple wins, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. But I got to get a couple wins. I got to be lucky enough to get a couple wins. And we got a couple wins. I mean, we start putting a couple wins together, and and then towards the middle of this thing, I was just like, I'm just, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to keep going, keep having competitions, and keep showing up and see what happens. And we were lucky enough to win uh, nine GCs last year and four reserves at a 28 wow. contest. We did that. 
Are you cooking primarily East Coast or are you traveling no, Midwest? We travel. We go. We, we did one in the Midwest last year. We did, you know, we, we drive the East Coast. We, we go Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, um, you know, Pennsylvania. You know, we've gone, we've traveled, you know, 20 some hours to get to a contest. This year we went to Florida. Wherever there's a contest, if it's not one close, and we just go, we just hop in the truck and, and go. I love there's it. No, hop there's in no, the truck and go. I said, there's no, there's no destination too far. We would just, you know, we just go. Love that attitude. You, uh, you clearly set your mind to it and accomplished it. You know, that, that's something, uh, especially running, you know, running your own business and, uh, putting the time in there and, you know, competing at a high level, like you have been doing. I mean, that's, that's, that's getting after it for sure. So, so you mentioned you got the three gateway drums, you've got the deep South, you've got the Traeger, you've got five units for four meats, which I love that, you know, that's, that's awesome. What's your favorite meat to cook at a competition? I'm going to say brisket. You know, it's one of the ones that are, it's the hardest to cook and get right. And usually, you know, last year we, um, we finished second uh, only to, uh, because there was three contests uh, last year that we finished. We tied for first and we lost a coin flip. So it gave us second place points three times or, and we lost by like two points last year. So we could have easily won brisket last year also. Uh, and it's just, it was just one of those meats that I, I just, I, I can't wait to eat it. I'm like, I want to taste it. I, I, cause it's, you know, you, it builds all that anticipation of, of, you know, moisture and, and tenderness builds up in your mind. And you, when you cut it, you're like, all right, let's, let's see if it's good. And it's, you know, knock on wood, 90% of the times it's usually good. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> That's exactly right. So curious, you know, my mom's from New Jersey originally. I remember as a kid, you know, spending some time uh, on the shore, Ocean City. Haven't been up there in a while, but I'm, I'm, always, I'm always curious about barbecue in different areas of the country. When you say barbecue in New Jersey, what does that typically mean? Uh, well, I, I'll tell you. So we went to Apex, uh, North Carolina two weeks ago, and uh, three people you know, say, Hey, where are you guys from? And they said, uh, you know, I said, New Jersey. And they said, what do you guys from New Jersey know about barbecue? So, you know, <laughs> you know, and that's happened to me about maybe 15 times in my barbecue journey here. So I feel that, you know, if it's good, it's good anywhere. We, we really don't change our flavor from one state to another. We don't add more vinegar when we go to, you know, Virginia or North Carolina or South. We just, we keep it the same. But yeah, a lot so, of people don't 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 appreciate the uh, fact that we can cook barbecue from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely that there's definitely that stigma. You know, I lived down in the Augusta, Georgia area, originally from St. Louis, um, Missouri, and yeah, there is there is that stigma or that that kind of that, that line of thought that you know I th I think it's obviously it's flawed, right? That that way of thinking is, yeah. is is pretty is pretty flawed. But you know, really, you know, if you've got if you're having friends over at the house and you say, hey, come on over, let's have a barbecue. What does that mean? Does that mean pulled pork? Does that mean, hey, we're going to grill some hot dogs and hamburgers? Or what does that mean? So most of the time when we do, when I, before, before I became Uncle Pig's barbecue pit, it was mostly ribs. You know, ribs were like, like, a, like a delicacy around here. Now, nobody even wants to eat them no more because I have so many to cook, cook so many. Yeah. They're like, uh, right. all right, we'll pass on the ribs. You got a cheeseburger or something. You know, yeah. But when we have people over, they still want to eat the ribs. And my family, my immediate family, my wife and my daughters, they used to be rib connoisseurs. Now they're like, uh, can we have something else? You know, because we eat us so much. Uh, so now it's more leaning towards the burgers. <laughs> yep. I don't blame you. We, we kind of run into the same problem as well. Uh, we vend and, and, and cater a good bit. Um, and yeah, sometimes you're just, you're just, 
you're just tired of barbecue and you want something else. Yeah, you know, that, I get that's it. Where I that's get where they're at. But you can never go you know, wrong with ribs, that's for sure. Yeah. 38, um, 38 leftovers, 38 weekends a month, a, a year leftovers. This is a lot of ribs to eat. A lot of ribs, a lot of chicken, brisket, pork, yeah. the whole nine. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so now I just kind of give it away to people. Whoever need, you know, wants something to eat, I just give it away. Like right. a campground, right. I gave a whole bunch of pork to last week. It's, it's easier cleanup too. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, how'd you guys get the name Uncle Pig's Barbecue Pit? Tell me about that. Years ago, I had three brothers and a sister. My three brothers unfortunately passed away. In uh, my family, when you would walk through the front door, by the time you got to the back door, you had a you had a name. It was something. You had a nickname of some sort. Well, my brother Dominic, he was four years older than me, and my brother Alex was four years older than him. And Alex was a little heavier. And for some reason, he became Uncle Pig. My brother would tell us, go see Uncle Pig. And that name stuck to him. Uh, and it wasn't because he was fat. It was just because that's the name that was stuck to him. So one day we were coming home from, uh, me and my wife were coming home. We weren't, we were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. We were coming home from some event. Uh, it wasn't to do a barbecue. And my brother Alex was in the backyard and he was cooking some ribs, his boiled ribs. And as I walked up, I said, hey, I said, look, it's Uncle Pig's barbecue pit. And that kind of just lingered for a little while and nothing happened. Then fast forward, maybe 10 years later, you know, we, we did our first competition in Wildwood, New Jersey. We're like, we got to, they said, we got to have a name. We got to figure a name out. What, what kind of name? And we went through some names. I'm like, what about Uncle Pig's barbecue pit? And my brother, of course, said, yeah, that's a great name. So, and it, that's where it became, and that's where it stuck. There it is. I love it. There's always, I figured there was a cool, you know, pretty cool story behind it. And, and, uh, I love, I love hearing how names are formed and the stories behind them. So, all right, let's shift, uh, let's shift gears for a bit and, and chat about what, you know, I think is on the lot on the minds of a lot of folks in KCBS right now. And that is the judge seating program. And for our listeners, you know, this is part of a series that we're doing, which, you know, talking with cook teams, talking with reps, talking with, uh, judges, uh, maybe even some board members. I don't know, but, you know, we want to create some dialogue around this and really get different perspectives here. So tell us about really just, you know, your perspective. You know, obviously the judge seating program was in effect. Keyword was. It, it no longer currently is. It may come back. Who knows? Um, but from your perspective, you know, you've been there. You know, you've been cooking for, I think you said, 11, 12 years. 12, 13 so sure years, you, yeah. So I'm sure you've seen... You were probably you were there when there was the judge seating program and when there wasn't. So curious from your perspective, you know, what are your thoughts on on the program as a whole? So it's hard for me to make a determination either either way, because I, I've done well with the seating program as it is, and, and then I've done poorly the way it is. I, I do believe though that there probably shouldn't be a table of death and a table of angels. Uh, it's really it's really hard to kick it only because I've won with it. That being said, you know, this year so far, I've been getting brutalized with it. You know, I've been getting beat up a pretty good amount with the, with the table of death. Uh, you know, I finished probably first on my table out of my 10 competitions here. I probably finished first on my table in a category that scored bad a lot. And it would be like 17th, 18th, 19th place and still finish first on your table. Uh, so I think it's, I really think it should be changed. I think it should even the uh, playing field out a little bit and you know you don't want to you don't want to take from my, my perspective is you you don't want to have your barbecue competition life basically hanging on a chip you know with, with if seven if five people get a that are low scoring judges happen to pull out that chip 
you know, it's pretty much lights out for you. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, and I don't know how come, I mean, I, I can show you some pictures of, of some sevens for appearance and that's basically all I can really bitch about because the sevens for appearance, I know I don't deserve it. Now, taste and tenderness, they it may not, they may not hit their liking. I don't know, but I know because that's all to me, that's all your decision. Visually, I know we all have the same set of eyes that work. You know, so when you're giving me a seven for appearance, I know that you're not you're not looking at it correctly. Something's wrong with that particular judge, whether they're they're scoring low because they don't know no better, or they're scoring low because they just want to score low. I, so, but if you have three of them at the table, it's it's over. Your 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 chances of winning are go down dramatically. So now, if you have like two at each table, one at each table, and that's I guess what the the seating, new seating program would, would probably accomplish not having a bunch of really great judges, high scoring judges, and a bunch of. So maybe we won't see 700s every week. Maybe we'll be winning contests with 680s. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's okay to win that way. I mean, as long as it's kind of even, you know, like in, uh, in Alta Vista, it was Alta Vista, no, it was, it was uh, Apex. You know, we, we came in, we had like a 178 in chicken, 178 in pork. Uh, 180 in brisket and 168 in, in ribs. And I don't even know. And I was first on my table. And we competed against really good competitors that day. So you're telling me that everybody ribs on that table were bad? And there was really good competitors. I mean, it was Motley Crue. It was Hold Your Horses. There was really good competitors on that table. That I And there was probably, even, I think it was even one more really good competitor. I just can't, it's illusion right now. So you're telling me everybody's ribs were bad? I mean, 168 bad? Or was that just a bad table of judges? So it's really hard. It's it's really a fine line of 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 that of good to bad. Yeah, and just to give you, give some context for our listeners, you know, when when Urkel talks about hanging on to a chip, uh, the current under the current format right now, when a judge shows up to uh, the competition, they draw a chip, a poker chip, out of a bag. A lot of times, it's a Crown Royal bag. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, because they because they make good bags, I guess. And then they are, so it's just a random uh, draw out of a bag and then they go to wherever they're supposed to be seated. And so when, when you hear the term, you know, table of death, table of angels, really what that's referring to is, you know, you get a table of death where you've got maybe historically lower scoring judges for whatever reason, right? I've, I've never been a judge. Yes. Um, yes. So I, I don't know the process, but on the flip side of that, you have, you also could have what's known as the, the table of angels where you get a table full of historically higher scoring judges. And so really the whole premise, the whole idea behind the judge seating program is to take their historical data based on how they scored and to average that out and seat them accordingly based on that. So that's, that's kind of some context for our listeners. And it was instituted, you know, and this is before I started competing. So I believe it was in use uh, from 2019 to 21, 22, Am I am I right there? I think you're really close to, to being right. I know, from what I understand, Mark Gibbs wrote this program or was involved in, in this program. Uh, and I don't know the see. I don't know the ins and outs of it. I, I've really, I've judged one time, uh, and I didn't have to draw a chip. They just didn't have enough judges, so they asked me to judge. So I judged. But I was on a table with some judges, and it, it was it was kind of weird. Uh, you know, you know, I, I'm there with my pad and my pencil, and I'm writing things down and getting ready to write comic cards. And, you know, uh, you know, it, it was some of the comments, you know, after we got done judging the chicken, you know, I was like, this, 
because I knew you were not to talk afterwards. So I'm like, does anybody want to discuss what we just ate? And, uh, you know, one guy next to me was like, yeah, you know, I can't believe that somebody gave us uh, uh, chicken breast. I'm like, you got chicken breast? I said, I didn't get any chicken breast. He's like, yeah, that piece right there. And I had stomach surgery. I couldn't eat my whole, all my food at the time. I just take like a nice bite of it. And I said, he goes, yeah, no, entry number or whatever it was. I'm like, uh, dude, that was a boneless chicken thigh. That wasn't chicken breast. He goes, really? I'm like, really? That really was. And he had a bunch of pins on like he did a lot of judging. So I'm like, man, are you judging tomorrow? Because <laughs> I was competing the next day. I'm like, let me know if you're judging tomorrow. Uh, and it, so it was really weird. It was just, you know, it was really strange. And uh, nobody talked about nothing. Nobody, you know, they, it looks like they historically scored backyard teams really low it, it, that day. The yeah. two people I sat next to that I, that I could talk to. But I mean, maybe they deserved it. You know, I didn't beat them up, but I did judge them like I thought I would judge them, like I thought I was supposed to judge them, you know. But, you know, I see, I see sixes and sevens and some, it's just, I know some of the people that receive these numbers probably do not deserve it. But I mean, like I said, it's, it's out of our hands when it, when it becomes that. And if you have a table full of sixes and sevens, you must well pack up and move on to the next contest. Cause it's not yeah, nothing good's going to happen at this one. It's very difficult to, to win if you do get that. And that's, you know, sometimes that's part of it. And, you know, I think it's important that we, you know, mention, Hey, you know, we're all human judges are human. Oh, and yeah. sometimes you don't have enough judges, you know, they're, they're, yeah, no. they're volunteering their time. Uh, this is not, this is not a retirement gig, you know, <laughs> this no, is not a good retirement not. plan. I should say it's really about, you know, creating some, some sort of uniformity, you know, across the spectrum of judging and just making sure that everybody's getting, getting a fair shake. Now let's talk about the flip side of it though. So we've talked a lot about the, you know, the advantages of it, but I'm sure just like anything else, there's two sides to every story. Curious from your perspective, what are some of the challenges of that kind of a program? You know, the program that uh, Mark Gibbs put together or really any sort of random seating program. What are some of the challenges with sticking to that long-term? See, there, there's some of the things that I, I really, I really have a hard time uh, grasping because I really don't know the disadvantages of having an even playing field. I, it's really hard to say there's any disadvantage. I'm sure there's some. I, I know, uh, you know, I've talked to Charles Grinland, he, and he's told me he's given me reasons why this is good and why it's not good, and I just can't touch on them right now because I don't remember what we've talked about because it was a while ago. But he had some reasons why he didn't think it was it was okay to change, but his program had to be changed a little. But the, the disadvantage of it, I don't, I don't think there is in my thought that to not have, you know, have a table of consistency is way better than having a table of angels, you know, way better than having a table of death. Like I said, the only thing I think it's going to be the, the disadvantage would probably be, we probably wouldn't be as many 700s. And not that we have a lot of 700s running around here as it is. Right. You know, that's exactly right. Some of the challenges I've, I've heard, you know, I think obviously if you get a, you know, if you're planning on X number of judges and then life happens, some of them can't make it, you know, you might have to, and I say you as in the, the rep, and I have never been a rep, so I have no idea what, what that's like. Uh, but one of the things I've heard is that the rep might have to, you know, scramble around, change some things. I also think there's a, there's a, there's a learning curve too, just from a technology standpoint. But I mean, wouldn't that happen? Wouldn't that happen if, if you did a chip draw too? I mean, the judge yeah. is not going to show up because, uh, hey, you're going to use a computer to pick me out. I mean, so I, I think the judges sometimes have a little bit of a, let me, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess they're getting a little bit you know, pissed because you're, you're critiquing them 
by making them, you know. So that's that's no, you know, the only thing about it is for me is if we have to be consistent as cooks, man, you got to be consistent as judges. You know, right. you can't see the swings. So I could tell you a, a real quick story. This weekend at New Jersey, a friend of mine, uh, John from Chunky Barbecue, he won first place in brisket. All right. And I was just looking through the scores and, I'm, and I called. I actually had to call him. I'm like, John, you did win first place in brisket, correct? He said, yeah. I said, where does 29 come from? So somebody gave him a 29 on the table and he won first place. What, 170 something, 178 or something. I'm like, wow, that's 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 a big swing. You know, so I'm like, was, did the first piece fall on the ground or something? <laughs> I was playing with him. He's like, no, because I really didn't even see it. I didn't look at that yet. I'm like, I just, so if he had that one and another judge that was scoring low, he probably would have went down to maybe 15th place in brisket just because of that. I mean, I, but I know we, we sign up for this. You know, we, we sign up to, to have someone judge our food and that's some, you know, like it and some don't. I, so it's, it's really a difficult thing to, to, to decide to change. And who knows, I don't, who knows if KCBS actually want to want to change. That's a big change for them, I'm, I'm assuming. That's right. You know? And let's also call it what it is. You know, the majority of cooks, the majority of reps, the majority of judges are men. And when you get a lot of men in an organization, there's, there's going to be a lot of egos. There's going to be a lot of pride. There's going to be a lot of opinions. And there's going to be folks that want certain things to be their idea. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so it creates that dynamic to where sometimes those opinions, the pride, the ego can get in the way of what's best for the organization as a whole, what's best for barbecue, right? As a whole right. going forward, because for me, you know, my, my boys are nine and six. They love the kids queue. You know, I want to see more of that. I want to see every KCBS contest have a kid's queue, right? Every one of them, uh, because I think it's important that they, they learn how to barbecue, how to cook, how to prep things. I mean, it's, it's stuff they're not going to learn in school. You know, a lot of what they learn in school, unfortunately, just like me, you don't use it in real life. So <laughs> not really, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So I look at it as not just, okay, well the here and the now it's what can we do to further advance competitive barbecue, which in turn is going to draw more people into the sport. And even if they're not drawn to the sport, they're going to be drawn. They're going to be interested to become better cooks at home, which again comes full circle the more eyeballs we have on it, the more marketers are interested in sponsoring things, the more sponsorship dollars roll into the sport. So it's all kind of, you know, that's how I look at it. It's all tied together and it's not necessarily like the here and the now. I also think that, you know, amazing things can happen when, when nobody cares who gets the credit. Yeah. You know, which easier said than done. I get that. Um, so I think there's a lot of those forces at play there and, you know, let's face it, a lot of men and, a lot of folks that maybe are intimidated by technology, you know, they, they just get intimidated by it. And I'm referring to the old, you know, the older folks that are involved yeah. in barbecue. I get it. Do you see what it just happened to me? I mean, I was, right. I struggled to get back on. I had to go, I had to call my backup. I had to call my, I had to call the radio in. Cause I, I was confused for a minute when it went off. I'm like, uh Oh, you know? So yeah. I mean, so the, the people want to do that. I mean, you know, there, there is some older folks that, like you say, that just, 10 is 10. We don't need to add it up to make it 10. It's 10. You know, uh, they don't want to go through that whole craziness of, of, of computers and stuff. I mean, so, I mean, if we're really talking changes, we could, we could actually make things even easier if we did like a barcode on your boxes, you know, you won't have to worry about it. It's just really quick barcodes done. You pass it along. It's all finished. You know, that takes care of a lot of that stuff. 
And whoever says they don't have a phone, you, everybody has them. I mean, so that's right. That could be something that's easily happening too. I mean, I just get worried for KCBS because I see I know a lot of people that that are have running away from the sport, you know, that are angry with the sport. But you know, that being said, you know, they say sometimes the same people win and it's fixed. And this, I'm like, listen, no one's ever came up to me and said, "Hey, I want to let you win today." I've never felt that. I've never, you know, when I first started out, you know, a lot of people, the same people would win. And I'm like, dude, what the hell? How's it keep on winning? It's so it's impossible. But then when I start doing well, I'm like, well, maybe it is possible. Maybe, maybe I should just cook better back then. You know, so it's really, you know, you want to keep it, everybody upbeat and, and, and going, but you don't want them to get beat up on scores. And I mean, especially scores, like I said, I keep on harping this appearance thing. Because that's the only thing as cooks we have really control of. You know, when right. you put that in that box, you you can visually see what it is. You know, and if it's not really worth anything, you know, because we see we've all seen pictures. We've all seen pictures of people winning first place in 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 brisket and pork and chicken, and it looks like it crawled into off the street. You know, and they still won first place. Right. So to me, I personally like to see appearance be worth more, and take a little away from the taste and tenderness and. and move a little bit more because the most important thing right now is, is should be tenderness to me. Taste is important, but everybody's taste is different. So you shouldn't be crucified because somebody doesn't like sweet. You know, I, they should be fine, kind of flip-flopped. I think I feel like the, the tenderness score should be the highest. The taste score should be the second and tenderness should be, I mean, appearance should be up. So that would kind of, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen, but you know, I've talked to people, they said, and I even wrote up a score, how that would they be worth. And they said, don't even bother turning that in. They're never going to change the scores again. I'm like, okay. I mean, I just thought, you know, that it would be worth a, a, you know, because if appearance ain't worth nothing, why do it? Why even do it? Why just put it in taste and tenderness or something? Right. Because, you know, if people are winning with the ugliest boxes I've seen, why, why make me waste the time to do it? If, right. if it's not going to be judged correctly, and that's the only thing I can bitch about is the appearance. Because like I said, your taste is your taste. Your idea of tenderness is your idea of tenderness. That's what we sign up for. But visually, I know when I'm turning in the box, it's pretty. There's no way it's not an eight. I mean, excuse me, a nine. It's no way eight even. It's just, right. you know, they're kind of things that, that 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 would make the sport better. That's exactly, that's, and that's what it's all about. It's about, again, having having the open dialogue, conversations, trying to simply move the football forward, not to point fingers. It's just, hey, how can we have open dialogue here and just better the sport so that ultimately it continues not only continues, but it, it thrives, right? Because it's not, thrives. if we're not growing and, and thriving, then, you know, we're, we're, we're just rotting and, and, and dying right. and we become irrelevant. So as we wind down things, I want to, I want to uh, ask a question about just some, some words of wisdom, really, right? So we have, we have listeners that are competitors. We have listeners that don't compete, but they just listen because they want to get better uh, in their backyards. But really, I want to pick your brain and get some words of wisdom for the folks out there that, that say to themselves, hey, I want to jump in to competitive barbecue. What would you tell them? What would, what would be some pieces of advice you'd give them in that position? What I've learned in my time of barbecue, pick a class. It's, it's always good to take a class. A class. So the learning curve for classes nowadays are more like a hairpin. You know, when we were doing it, when I first started, there was nobody talking. There was nobody telling. And the learning curve was like one big mountain climb. You know, it just took forever to get there. Uh, now, if you get the right class, you get the right teacher, you will get calls instantly. I mean, I did a class this year, my first time ever doing a class. 
And a lot of people that came to my class over this last three months or two months got numerous calls. And I'm like, wow, maybe I did too good of a job, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there were still good cooks, but if anything you can get out of a class, it helps. I mean, I've taken classes, uh, you know, I've taken quite a few classes, like three or four at least uh, over my lifetime. And, you know, uh, and it was, it's, it works. It just, you know, it, it takes the mistakes out of it. You're like, not all of them. You're still going to have to burn some meat and, and ruin some chicken or you're going to have to, that's going to happen. But at least you have the, the format of what, what to do and how to start. And especially if you're using cans and you never used them before, it's, it's best to take a can class. If you're not going to use, if you're doing uh, like a deep south, take, you know, take that kind of, that kind of class. It, it's best to know what you're cooking on and to learn what somebody else's failures and you can try to avoid them failures. That's a great way to wrap things up. Powerful way to, to wind things down today. Again, for our listeners, we're chatting with the pit master of Uncle Pig's Barbecue Pit, Mr. Urkel Chile. He's based out of Paulsboro, New Jersey. Check him out. Follow him on Instagram and Facebook at Uncle Pig's BBQ Pit. Urkel, enjoyed the time, sir, and appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much for listening to The Barbecue Life. Share this episode with a buddy who loves barbecue or is just starting to get into it. Follow us for more on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Talk to you next time. Keep calm and smoke on.